Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Season 2, episode 15. Folks, if you haven't started the countdown, start it now. Inclusive, there are five episodes left in season two. I'm humbled and blessed to be able to bring this podcast to you and to be part of your lives, your feedback, encouragement, and connection. That's what makes it all worthwhile for me. Doing this and connecting with you is truly amazing and inspirational for me, and I hope that you feel the same. So, yay me, yay you, and yay us. As we continue to grow, refine our content, and broaden our audience, go ahead, give us that five-star rating. Follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, like us, or give us a thumbs up. What I'm ultimately saying is that you should connect and engage with us. We're now up and available anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Simply search for us wherever you do listen to those great podcasts. We strive to be among the podcasts that you listen to, rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? It's one of those things I've always wanted to do. I wanted to create a platform and community where I could share my thoughts, my stories, and my experiences with the sole purpose of connecting with and engaging with others, ultimately helping others, an outlet where I could be my, let's say, authentic self. I want to be that pebble that creates ripples in the waters of life. Simply stated, I want to be remembered and I want to change the world. And I want you to be a part of the Thriving in the Transition movement. Public service announcement number one. Doing things as you've always done them will get you the results that you've always gotten. And a bit more broadly, Thinking about things the way that you've always thought about them leads to the results that you've always gotten. So, shifting the way you think about things can help you get different results. The truth is, I simply want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose in this life is to connect with others and bring people together. I want to highlight and exemplify that we've got more in common than we do in difference. I'm going to call that a fact. Yes, the differences are much easier to identify, but discovering and appreciating the commonalities is much more fun. So yeah, that's partly why I'm doing this. The other part, or the rest of the story, as to why I'm doing this is I want to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic, charismatic, and inspirational people among us. I want to share their stories about thriving in and during times of transition. The theory being, hearing about other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling the motivation or encouragement to continue and thrive in their own respective transitions. So folks, this week, I want to talk about a topic that I've thought about for years and how it's impacted my life as I've grown up and become the incredibly, spectacularly awesome, horrific person that you enjoy listening to every week. It was very much part of how I grew up, and the concept definitely influenced this end result that you're listening to. I've also noticed over the years a shift in society regarding this week's topic and how it's viewed, 
applied, and maybe even define. Let's just say that my kids have a very different relationship to this week's topic than I did when I was their age. This particular topic plays into transitions and how we think about everyday life. However, the topic isn't in your face and you're not likely to put much thought into it at all. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be super mysterious. Hopefully it built up some anticipation though, that'd be kind of cool. What I'm talking about is the concept of consumables versus durables. Yes, these terms aren't something that we use in everyday conversation, and it tends to show up when we talk about economics. And I think it's incredibly fitting there in the world of economics, but I believe there has been a fundamental shift in what we define as durable and consumable, and it absolutely has an impact on the world economy, part of new industry creation, and the established industries that we have, or those that may be in decline. And we're going to jump into all of this and more right after this little break. Intro and outro music by Genesis 7. You can listen to more of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or wherever you stream your music. Just search for Genesis 7, that is G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number 7 directly behind it. If you're interested in purchasing music from him, shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at Genesis7Productions.com. Alright folks, let's start like we usually do with a few definitions. We're going to start with consumable. It's an adjective intended to be used up and then replaced. You'll have to pay for consumable materials such as butane gas canisters. It's more the butane gas, not the canisters. Uh, a noun, a commodity that is intended to be used up relatively quickly. Drugs and other medical consumables. Basically, a consumable is something that was meant to be consumed. Think food, loose leaf paper, perfume, firewood those sorts of things. And now for durables. Durable, adjective, able to withstand wear, pressure or damage, hard wearing. Porcelain enamel is strong and durable. Basically, a durable is a product that was meant to last. Think cars, appliances, furniture, and houses. Let me call out now that even durables weren't meant to last forever. Right? Those things that I just named don't last forever. They just last longer than the consumables. For me, the concept first came to light when I was about, I don't know, maybe 13 years old. You all know that I grew up with my grandparents in Missouri. You also know that I grew up poor and didn't have many material things. My grandfather, up until the time I was 13, used to cut my hair. Right, I, I'm, I go bald now. I, I cut my own hair. So what happened? When I was 13, my grandfather, let's, let's put it this way, he wasn't the most up-to-date with the latest boy's hair fashion, right? If you can imagine your grandfather trying to cut your hair, probably something similar there. And I remember this very distinctly. I sat down. It was a, a warm Sunday afternoon. We didn't have the official cape that you get at the barber shop, so he got a, a trash bag, a black trash bag, uh, put a, a pin 
around a safety pin in it and tied it around my neck. So I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I sweat profusely anyway. So it was one of those deals. You kind of knew it wasn't going to be good. And when I stood up and went to the mirror, he's like, check it out. What do you think? Well, I wound up with the mohawk. And this was well before they were in vogue. Then and there, I vowed that he would never cut my hair again. Love him to death, right? He, he did the best he could. And I'm sure his dad cut his hair. But I, I couldn't withstand walking around with a mohawk, right? I, I just couldn't. So I learned to cut my own hair at age 13. And I've been cutting my own hair for about 33 some odd years. Okay. What does this story have to do with consumables and durables? Well, it's the clippers. It's the hair clippers that were used to cut my hair that prompted this topic. So these clippers were old. They were beat up. They were tattered. They've had the cord replaced on them multiple times. My grandfather would take the blades off and oil them and put them back on. When you turn these things on, they made this horrible sound somewhere between a car crash and a bumblebee on steroids trying to break into a refrigerator that's padlocked, right? So you flip the little button and it was like, and again, they should have been replaced. They should have been thrown out. But when you don't have much, when you're poor, you treat consumables as if they are durables. You make things last. You stretch things out. You learn to repair things. You replace cords. You replace electrical components. Back when you could do that kind of thing with your home electronics and in the possessions that you have in your house. And I was always interested, intrigued even, at why we did that. And it, the, the answer is obvious. I've already talked about it. We couldn't afford it. But what happens when you treat a consumable as a durable is, well, you end up with a mohawk. You end up learning to cut your own hair. You get used to going without all of those sort of things. And that's what I want to talk about. And I've got another example, right? That was my personal haircut clipper story. There's a light bulb. Yeah, I'm going from clippers to light bulbs. This, this is going to be a doozy, folks. There's a light bulb in a firehouse in Livermore, California. It's been lit or functioning for over 100 years. Yes, I didn't stutter. You heard me correctly. This light bulb has been functional for more than 100 years. It's called, it, it's got its own name. It's called the Centennial Light, and it's rarely turned off. And it's been functioning since 1901. You do the math. Like I said, more than 100 years. It was manufactured in Shelby, Ohio in the 1890s by the Shelby Electric Company. Now, that's adorable if I've ever heard of it. But for us, light bulbs are what? They're consumable. This Centennial Light, it's the last of its kind. Even the most energy efficient LED bulbs that you can find on the market today only last about three years. Why the difference? If we can produce something that lasts and functions more than 100 years, why are we now happy with something that lasts three years? Here it is. The light bulb industry realized that they won't make money if light bulbs last 100 years. Period. Point blank. 
you will buy one light bulb in your lifetime. Well, one per appliance, one per room, whatever the case. But, you know, there, there's no business there. So the light bulb industry came together and decided on a standard life expectancy for light bulbs, which is much, much, much less than 100 years. In fact, the current average lifespan of an incandescent light bulb is about 1,000 hours. That's industry standard. And then we were introduced to the concept of planned obsolescence. That's what that was, right? In order for this industry to survive, you can't make a product that lasts 100 years. But you can thrive if the product that you make only lasts 1,000 hours. This is the economic impact of durable versus consumable. But we're not talking about economics here or conspiracy theories. Yes, they're floating around there. In fact, some people may be typing in the chat right now that that's a conspiracy theory. Will, I can't believe you're talking about it. But no, fact check me, right? This is nothing that I made up. So what does all of this have to do with this podcast, Thriving in the Transition? Simply, this all matters because we can trap ourselves by treating consumables like durables and vice versa. And when I talk consumables versus durables, I'm not just talking about tangible things or products. I'm also throwing into the mix the intangibles, relationships, emotions, concepts, or feelings. Now, picture this. Imagine what would happen if you treat a long-term, sincere, and valued friendship as if it were consumable. Think about it. What would that be like? How long would you stand that relationship? How often would you come to that person's aid? How often would you answer the phone calls, the texts, the IMs? How often would you check the Instagram feed? Whatever the case. Now, what happens if you treat random fleeting acquaintanceships as durables, right? That's just as laughable. People that you just meet online that like you, that give you the thumbs up, that make a random comment, you're inviting to Thanksgiving dinner, you're going on vacation with. Likely not going to happen. But in both situations, we're talking about relationships with others. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those random acquaintanceships can't evolve into long-term ones or that some long-term friendships shouldn't end. Relationships don't have to last forever. What I am saying is that you have to understand which is which and then choose accordingly. Like my example, those electric clippers from my childhood. Depending on how you view a thing, it depends on how you treat a thing, which also impacts the value you get from that thing. So the question is, why do we sometimes treat consumables like durables and durables like consumables? Simple. Fear. Fear causes us to act in such a way to prevent us from moving forward and getting what we really want out of life. And a great way to do this is this whole concept of durables versus consumables. Maybe it's fear of being alone or fear of being discovered as a fraud or fear of not having enough resources. Oh, yeah. 
This plays right into the concept of scarcity and abundance that we talked about in episode 9 of this season too. You dig? You with me? Fear in any capacity or situation distorts our view of self, our view of the world, and our view of current resources or commodities. Boom! There it was. Came full circle. That's why this concept of consumables versus durables matters, especially in transitions. So what else? I've talked about clippers. I've talked about relationships. I've talked about this miracle 100-plus-year light bulb in California that was produced in Ohio. So all of these things clearly can be susceptible to the impacts of treating consumables like durables and vice versa. What other data or observations are there? Here are a few things that I've noticed shifts in over the past uh, three decades or so, right? And it's all led to this trap of treating consumables like durables and durables like consumables, all serving to keep us where we are and at best, Confusing the heck out of a situation. Let's start with technology. People get new cell phones every year, every other year, tops. Now, I know some of us don't. I'm still rocking. I don't even know what I'm rocking, but it's not the iPhone 12 Pro Max professional heavy duty. Phones to me are durable. When I grew up, now I'm going to take you back. Some folks may be amazed at this. Other folks are like, yeah, I remember that too. Your home phone was rented from a phone company. Southwestern Bell, whatever version of Bell you had, you had to rent your phone. Average people didn't own phones back in the day. And yes, this was, again, 40 plus years ago. But that's an example. Now, everyone has a phone. Kids have phones. Your, your nine-year-old, your seven-year-olds have phones that are upgraded. What do you do with the old ones? You throw them away. You just replace it. You can't replace the batteries anymore. You can't upgrade the memory. Yeah, I, I know Androids still do some of that, but some of them have switched, all in the name of economic competition. That's just one example. Think of your TVs. Right there used to be the TV repairman. You would take a broken TV to the TV dude. He'd open the back, replace some tubes, some wires, and you'd have a TV again. You can't even open the backs of LEDs now. A whole industry died. The electronic repairman has been driven out of business because what used to be durable are now consumable, and it's cheaper to buy a brand new one to have someone repair it. That's the impact that this has. Let's talk clothing. Jeans used to last for years. And when I say jeans, blue jeans. Versus now, have you, have you like felt blue jeans off the rack? Not the same. These current jeans last a few months at best. Now, there's this whole other category, right? And I'm not there yet, but I know people that are there. Yes, there's really high-end blue jeans. In fact, they don't. You get to a certain price point, they don't. They don't even call them blue jeans anymore. It's called denim, 
And yes, you pay hundreds to thousands of dollars for this denim. But this high-end version of blue jeans, it just used to be blue jeans back in the day. Every kid, every cowboy, every farmer, whoever wore blue jeans got the same high-quality material that would last for years. In fact, when it comes to clothing, literally it's been within the past five years, and I've had to wrap my head around this, that I've been comfortable getting rid of clothes simply because they're old. Yeah, it, it, this whole durables versus consumable things hit me hard. I have clothes older than my children. They are still in good shape. I can still fit into them. Humble brag. But that's not the way clothes are made. Socks. When's the last time you bought some tube socks? If they still call them tube socks. Gym socks. You know, white socks. They used to have colored bands at the top. They are like paper thin and are meant to last a few months. If you get a year out of them, you did a heck of a job picking that brand. But then you just throw them away and buy more. Durables versus consumables. What was durable is now consumable. Now, I'm going to talk about a big one. Cars. Cars, when I grew up, yes, they were big, bulky, not fuel efficient. I'm not talking about that part. But they were made of steel and iron and chrome. You could run a car into a house and the house would be demolished. You could hit another car and both of you would back up and there may be a scratch. Maybe. Worst case scenario, like your bumpers got locked because these two big honking pieces of metal were attached and you couldn't pull them apart. Nowadays, cars are made out of fiberglass and duct tape and bubble gum. You look at one the wrong way, your insurance deductible goes up by $500 because there's a dent. They are consumable. They should be durable. Cars should last forever. And some of us like leasing, this whole concept of leasing. I want a new car every year or two years or whatever lease terms are. Yeah, I'm not built that way. But again, plays into this thing that we're talking about, consumable versus durable. Now, you all know my love of music. I have to talk about this. And not music itself, right? Not the instruments, not the tunes, not the melodies, not of that. But the themes within music. And I, I love these two examples. We went from Lenny Williams, because I love you, one of the lines is, girl, you know I love you no matter what you do. To Beyonce's irreplaceable, to the left, to the left, everything you own, a box to the left. Our love music, we talk about consumable topics. People are consumable. Relationships are consumable. If you don't give me the respect that I deserve or that I think I deserve, if you don't treat me the way I want to be treated, if you don't look good enough, if you're not fit enough, you don't have enough money, whatever the case, I'll go out and get a new one. To the left, to the left. Everything you own in a box to the left. You see it? it it's, it's everywhere. And it's not just Beyonce. I'm not just picking on her, but you guys get this. Let's also talk about friendship, right? We're talking relationships now. We, we shifted to some of those intangible things. We now seem to define friendship by the number of followers we have, the number of likes we get, the number of thumbs up 
that are on our page that we display to the rest of our friends, subtly letting them know that we're better than them and that we have more friendships. Versus intimate, strong relationships based on common interests and shared experiences. At least I know that's the way I grew up. That's how I picked my friends, right? Poor kids are all friends. You can't afford the stuff that the rich kids do, so you have those common experiences. Neighborhoods, you grew up next to people. You have common experiences. That galvanized friendships. When your friends came a-knocking, you came out the door like a bat out of hell, ready to take over the neighborhood. Now you're lucky if your friends return your IM. That, by the way, you know they've seen because your phone tells you that they've seen it. You know when it was delivered. You know when it was read. No response. Feel me here, and this maybe this I should have called this old man rant, but whatever it is, friendships have become consumable versus durable. I grew up in an age where a friend was a friend forever. Some folks are going to hate this. Some folks are going to love it. A couple of you are going to laugh. Michael W. Smith, contemporary Christian singer. He's got a song, Friends of Friend Forever, If the Lord's the Lord of Them. I subscribe to that theory. Yes, friends have issues. Friends have falling outs. Like any relationship, it's not all unicorn and rainbows. There's going to be rough patches. But at the end of the day, you were still friends. It's almost the difference between male friendships and female friendships. Like boys, little boys, and I've got three little boys. You all know that. Not so little anymore, but I've got three boys. When there's a disagreement, you just hit somebody with something and move on. That's durability. Female relationships, as they say, are more subtle. You don't necessarily hit them, but there's that thing still there. But you were still friends. Nowadays, defriend, unlike, unfollow, suspend, restrict, right? All of those things you can do with a few keystrokes or pushes of a button. Success. Also susceptible to consumable versus durable. Back in the day, back in the day, success was measured by having well-defined goals that you achieved or exceeded. That was success. Nowadays, seems to be about material things, right? I got the latest car, the biggest house, the, the best in-ground pool the best pair of denim, whatever the case is, just shifts, right? I'm going to throw in civility. Taking people as they are for people, respecting and appreciating differences versus what we just saw this week, storming the Capitol because your choice of president didn't win the election and has demonstrated that it is okay to hate others because they are not like you. That's a shift. Policing. Back in the day, the police lived in the same neighborhood or community that they worked in. They protected and served the people that they knew. Versus where we are now, police don't live in that same town many of the times. They police those people in that neighborhood with no real connections. You know, you have to keep them in line. 
consumable versus durable, how we view the role of police in our neighborhoods. Okay, I admit, the last two items may not be 100% consumable versus durable, but there's certainly things that have changed in my time and are relevant to all of us today. And I think they fit, so I'm going to leave them there. And, well, guess what? You can't make me change it. That's the way it is. Blech. I hope you still get the point that I'm trying to make here, which is treating durables as consumables and consumables as durables can create, at best, confusion and frustration. At worst, it can create an entire culture that is ruled by fear. Ultimately, you have to look at how you individually look at consumables and durables and which, if any of the other things I talked about, apply to you. Everything still comes down to choice. All right, I think my geekiness and a little bit of my passion got the best of me in a few places in this week's episode. However, I truly believe that understanding whether something is truly a durable or consumable can make all the difference in life and in transitions. The challenge, of course, is that society might see things differently. And like everything else in life, it's up to you to choose. Choosing differently is the difference between being stuck and moving forward. So where do you see consumables and durables impacting your life? Are there things that you treat as consumable, but they're actually durable or vice versa? Go ahead. Share your thoughts and responses wherever you listen to this podcast. Or send me an email, will.campbell at logicconsulting.com. We want to hear from you. Public service announcement number two. Seeing things clearly is more than half the battle. Once you see things clearly, you can take the most appropriate actions for you to get closer to your goals and dreams. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of... Thriving in the Transition, Season 2, Episode 15. Thank you for joining our return sophomore season. If you're getting something from this podcast, go ahead. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe. Add us to the list of other great podcasts you listen to. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting. Also, follow me on Instagram at Logic Coach. L-O-G-I-Q underscore coach. You know what? Follow me on Spotify at GQ Down. And not just the podcast. Follow me to discover the music that I listen to to help me thrive in the transition. You'll guaranteed find that Lenny Williams song there. Reach out on LinkedIn at DJ Will Rock. Don't forget to follow the YouTube channel, Thriving in the Transition. And yeah, the website www.thrivingintheTransition.com. You can get all of our episodes right from that website. Just go there while you're there, get comfortable, get a nice cold drink, take a look around, see how else we can connect. Maybe you need a coach or a business consultant or a keynote speaker for your next event. Let's change the world together. Okay, listener engagement time. What do you want to hear about? If it's not consumables and durables, what is it? I'm pandering to my public. No, I just really want to get better connected. Let us know. Let's make this thing we've got even more valuable. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, send me an IM, a tweet, an email, a direct message, whatever. Connect with me on our Patreon site, 
www.patreon.com forward slash T-I-T-T. T-I-T-T for Thriving in the Transition. Become a patron. Just click the Become a Patron button. We're going to get you all hooked up with some t-shirts and water bottles and if this COVID thing keeps up, masks and all that stuff to show your support. But we're thinking of it as a new season and new ways for us to get connected. Most importantly, don't keep this a secret. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, and tell your children. The relationship we have is definitely durable and meant to last. Until the next episode, folks, cheers. Have a great day.